her personal testimony, her personal story of faith. And I'm going to ask Jamie Parker to come, and she's going to do that. Jamie, and I've been coming to Acts 2 since November 21st, 2021. The Lord led me here, and he healed me here. I remember on my very first day, I saw a rainbow outside the church, and I knew it was for me. That first day, I sobbed while I prayed, and I asked the Lord, I said, is this my new church family? And after the service, I was leaving, and this little tiny lady tapped me on the shoulder. She said, excuse me, ma'am. I have a word for you from the Lord. I said, well, what is it? She said, this is your new church family. And I said, well, I guess that settles it. That lady was Debbie. She doesn't actually have an accent, but I like to give her one in the story. I remember when Pastor was given a a sermon about contending, how you have to contend for the Lord. Like the ladies in the Bible, the lady with the blood who fought her way through the crowd, I was trying to, she was trying to touch his robe. It was the contending that she did. He really highlighted the deliberate action she was taking to get to Jesus. Or the lady who was yelling for Jesus in the crowd, over and over she was yelling his name. She knew if she contended hard enough that that he would help her with her daughter. It was perfect timing on a message that helped me dig my heels into this deliberate contending I was about to do. A little history. I was defiled when I was super young, emotionally, sexually, and physically. I grew up and I continued defiling myself. I had a long list of mental illnesses that hid behind addiction to drugs. I was dying. My mom was putting away money for my coffin, not college. Eventually, I ended up in rehab, not sure how because I didn't have insurance. Several people I knew scrapped together money and paid for 30 days of treatment. I learned about my addiction. I found myself in AA. I hated AA. I didn't want to do the 12 steps, and I was mad at God. I was mad at the world. I didn't want to be sober. I just wanted to die. So after being kicked out of halfway houses over and over for several years, I finally got tired enough to submit. I submitted to AA. I said, I'm going to do everything they tell me to do, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to take a bunch of drugs and I'm going to kill myself. I meant it. I had a plan. I was ready to die. I met God in AA. I didn't trust him, but he pulled me out of addiction. I worked the 12 steps, and I found relief. I see see the 12 steps as a broken-down version of putting on the whole armor of God for dummies. 
I worked them several times. Fast forward to 2018, I started to not feel good. I was depressed, suicidal, and starting to push people in my family away, people in my life away, people who had the most, I had the most conflicts with one by one. I pushed them all away. I, wasn't, I was even trying to walk away from my husband. I wanted a divorce. My mental health was failing, something was wrong, and I didn't know what. I could see narcissism everywhere. Narcissism in my family, friends, and in the schools, in the government, on TV. I saw it in myself. I wanted nothing to do with it, and I wanted to heal it in myself. As soon as I was isolated away from, as soon as I isolated myself away from everyone, my mental health imploded. I was five years sober, so it had nothing to do with drugs. I saw a few doctors and was diagnosed with PTSD and a severe anxiety disorder, bipolar, and disassociative identity disorder, also known as multiple personality. I was fragmenting as well. That means there would be days that I would be cleaning the dishes, and the next thing you know, I was in my car driving my son to school, and I had no idea how I, would, how I got there or what happened in between. I was losing huge chunks of time. Disassociative identity disorder is also known as multiple personality, but what is actually happening is amnesia walls surrounded my traumas. And after I pushed everyone away, I was finally safe in a safe space to heal. I was terrified of my own brain for six months. In my ignorance, I thought I had people in my head. So when I would go to the bathroom, I would look up at the ceiling so they couldn't watch me pee. I thought I was going to be pushing a cart down the street, collecting garbage, mumbling to myself. I really thought I was stuck like that. In the 12 steps of AA, the second step is came to believe that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity. I kept hearing that in my head over and over came to believe that a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity over and over. I, and that's when I asked God, I was like, are you saying that you're going to heal me? I know that, I know that this, in this 12 steps, the second step means to restore us to, in, to sanity from addiction, but does it mean also mental illness? It was 2020. I felt like I was in a science fiction movie. Everything felt so bizarre. So I turned off the TV, and I stopped listening to secular music, and I opened the Bible. I started reading Matthew. I'd never read the Bible before, and it was my last hope, so I dove in. I looked up the words in, in different versions. I researched parables and backstories. I was obsessed. I came to the part. When Jesus says, the number one commandment is to love the Lord with your whole heart, your whole soul, and your whole mind. And I froze. I was like, how can I do that? 
I don't even know what's in my mind. How can I do that? I asked him. I was like, it's impossible for someone like me. I don't even know the first thing about my soul, and my heart is broken. It was just a few days later that my amnesia walls that surrounded my trauma started to come down. I started getting flashbacks and screenshots of situations of when I was a child. I had a therapist who specialized in disassociative identity disorder, also known as DID. She told me that because I was in a safe place, my body was releasing the trauma. During this time, I was extremely vulnerable and I would get triggered easily. A trigger for me would last six weeks. I would have different symptoms arise before the trigger would resolve itself. I would get borderline symptoms, bouts of suicide ideation, and I would become more fragmented, and I couldn't hold a memory at all. Short-term memory was gone. It was maddening. I really wanted to die. My therapist asked me if I believed in God, and I said, yeah. She said, well, you're going to need to combine therapy with God when you embark on this trauma work. I already knew I was bringing my boy Jesus to the party. So I set off on this severe trauma work, and one at a time, memories started to unblock themselves. Like, for example, I had a memory of my little three- or four-year-old self being raped. I entered the memory with my boy Jesus, and I gave it to him. I was determined to give Jesus my whole mind. One step at a time, my therapist would help me sort out the lies I took in during the traumas and replace them with the truth. The Holy Spirit would open my eyes to having a planned part in this story, a purpose that was for him. I wasn't a burden, I wasn't a mistake, and I was a, had a very important part to play. This process took the longest because as soon as I gave Jesus one memory, then another one would pop up, and that happened for almost two years. The first thing he healed me from was a lifelong anxiety disorder. My drug of choice was Xanax because I had anxiety. I saw a pastor on the internet talk about this meditation, so I tried it. He said, when, you have, when the anxiety comes up, go sit in a, in a quiet place with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to sit with you in this anxiety. And picture it as the anxiety is passing through your belly. Not staying. And give the Holy Spirit the worst parts of it. So, for me, the worst parts of the anxiety was the knots in my stomach, the shaking in my veins, the feeling like I couldn't breathe, and the feeling like I was going to die. It says in the Word that His strength is perfected in our weakness, so I told the Lord, this is where I'm the weakest. And I asked the Lord, what is it you want me to know about it? So certain things came to mind, like stop drinking so much caffeine, stop staying up late, stop being a jerk, stop hanging out with jerks. <laughs> this was my part, and he took the rest. I did the rest. I did this every time I had anxiety for two weeks, and it was gone. I never had it again.
I was super excited about this because I knew, I never knew a life without anxiety. I knew he delivered me. So the next thing he delivered me from was depression and bipolar. I read about the story of King David singing the praise, singing and praising God before his battles. He would get crazy with it. So crazy, one of his wives was embarrassed and disgusted with him, and the Lord struck her barren. Well, if anyone has experienced depression, then you know that it is very much like a battle. You can't get out of bed, but laying there, your body just hurts, you're exhausted, and with your, your, your own thoughts make you crazy. When you do get out of bed, you just fill a pool to go back to bed. It's maddening. So I heard another pastor say that praise and worship was a weapon. Use it like David did. So one day while I was laying there, I turned on some praise and worship music, and I got up and I sang for the Lord with all my might. Then I went back to bed. <laughs> Later, I did it two more times, more song, two more songs, and then I went back to bed. I kept doing this, and eventually I was able to sing and dance for the Lord longer. And then I was able to take a shower. Then I was able to clean the kitchen. And before I knew it, I didn't even have to take a nap in the day. I would listen to praise and worship music all day, every day. And I wasn't depressed anymore, nor was I showing signs of being bipolar. He healed me of this. The whole time I was doing this trauma work and dealing with the memories, giving them to Jesus, healing the wounds of my past, I started to feel better. The last thing was the DID. The memories finally stopped coming. I was doing well. I hadn't been triggered in a while, and it was my birthday. My mom and I had been estranged for four, and a, or four to five years. She texted me on my birthday, and it didn't go well. She used, she used to be my number one trigger. But I realized that day after the conversation didn't go well that I wasn't getting triggered, even by her. I was healed. I was healed of the whole entire bag. <laughs> I felt like I won the lottery. <laughs> I was running around my room screaming, did you heal me? Did you heal me? I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. And I dropped down to the floor, and I buried my face in the carpet, and I said, thank you so much for being real. I felt him say, your debt has been paid. I had proof he was real. He healed me of addiction and anxiety disorder, bipolar, PTSD, disassociative identity disorder. I thought I was stuck like that, and I was free. I went into the bathroom, and I looked at myself in the mirror to see if I looked different, and that's when I felt the Holy Spirit smack me in the face. I went from being super over-the-top excited and freaking out and crazy with joy to feeling calm, peace, not up nor down, just feeling peace. And I haven't, I haven't, I've been feeling that way ever since. He healed me, and I'm not special. I contended. I didn't stop contending. And he heard me and he healed me. And now I know I can love the Lord with my whole unbroken heart, my whole soul, and my whole healed mind. 
And because of that, I can love my neighbor and my enemies with the love he pours in me, not my love, but his love. My mom and I are back together, born again. My relationship with my husband has been completely restored, and I don't have to take any medications anymore. Hallelujah! That was beautiful. Mm. How would you like to have to come up after that? <laughs> I just want to give you a couple of thoughts and we're going to go. What a powerful testimony, Jamie. Who's next? Because every one of you have a story of Jesus. Every single one of us. Write it out. Send it to me. The whole body needs to be uplifted and encouraged by your testimony of faith. And there is not anyone that is better than the other. They're all about the redemption of Jesus. They're all about, I once was lost, but now he found me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I want to read a few verses and just make a few comments this morning. John chapter 1 Starting in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not ever overcome it. You're, you may be in this room today and you came with a, a, a desire, if you didn't come with it, you have it now, for God to do for you what you heard God do for Jamie as she stood here and shared her story. He's here to do that for you today. If that's, if that's where you're at, He's here to do that for you today before you leave this room. I want to I talk to you a little bit about how I have come to realize in these in this time in the times that we're living in now that there is a there's a famine in the land there's a famine that's why i read those verses about the word in the beginning the word and you know what in the end the word his word will last forever his word the scriptures say is 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 greater uh, than his name uh, let every other word fall and they will but the word of the lord remains forever that there is a famine in the land not of Bread or of water, as the prophet Hosea tells us, but of hearing of the word of the Lord. There's a famine in the land. I'm going to go so far as to say I believe there's a famine in the land for the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the word of the Lord. There is a statistic that is quite alarming happening in the american church today it is even happening in the assemblies of god of which we are a part of and that statistic is that 
well over, uh, or, or the greater majority, some 60 to 70 percent of preaching pastors across America today are 65 and older. And the next generation is not being raised up. And it won't be too many more years, but there, that will be a huge crisis, a huge dilemma. Because at the same time, since COVID, more pastors are dropping out, quitting, they're done, they're, 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 they've become weary, they've become tired, and they've quit the ministry altogether. Now, don't get the wrong idea. I'm not suggesting that, because I'm in the category. Well, I'm over 60. I'm not over 65 yet. Don't get me. But, but I thank God in this house, we are raising up the next generation. Pastor Jamil is a preacher, and he's a part of the staff in this house. He is one of few at his age. In this area, fully ordained to the preaching gospel. I'm telling you, maybe two or three ordained a gospel ministry in their, in their early 30s, which is the age that Pastor Jamil is. There is a crisis looming of the preaching of the gospel. And God is the one who said that the pre preaching is required for people to come to know Jesus. Preaching is required. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Well, call it foolishness if you will. But what God has called me to do and he's called you to do and you heard Jamie do it. Now, in this house, everybody won't stand here and preach. But some will, some even more. Not just me, my wife, Jamil, Pastor, but you heard Jamie. She was preaching. When you tell the gospel story, this is what the gospel did for me, you are preaching, you are proclaiming. And I believe that 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 there has been there has been a a um, denigrating of a kind of a um, diminishing of preaching of the gospel and and preachers if you will with all of this craze called virtual ministry now you've got this whole new element of virtual ministry called ai but when COVID-19 shut churches down and everybody had to go online, everybody's online, preaching online, teaching online. Folks, let me tell you something. If we ever separate the human element from the preacher, we are not fulfilling the gospel as Jesus gave it. He sent them out preaching everywhere, preaching, preaching, preaching. How lovely are the feet of those who bring good news. Not how lovely is the TV station, how lovely is the radio station, how lovely is the app, how lovely are the feet of them, the people that go, the human element of preaching, <coughs> it's preaching the gospel. Faith comes by 
hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, I just quoted, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then verse 17, faith comes by hearing. That's the context of that verse. I just gave you the context. So then faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. There's nothing that can replace hearing the preaching of the gospel. Nothing. I mean, think of this. In my entire lifetime, there's been virtual gospel in America. Turn on the radio before the radio was printed. You know, magazine, Christian magazines, Christian books, printed, printed media, radio media, television media. Folks, that, that's gone around the world, and yet, I mean, you, let's just look at America. Look where America is spiritually. America has, so, has had so much virtual ministry, more than any nation on the planet, and look at the spiritual condition in this country. And it's because we have substituted the preacher, the shepherd, for just whatever I can clickety-click and get it on the app or the iPad or the Internet. And there is no substitute. People in, in, in um, per, very persecuted situations. I see headlines almost daily in the faith-based news sources that I uh, look at every single day. Of persecution, of those being arrested, many being murdered, many being martyred. Because the same Holy Spirit that compels us compels them even in persecuted settings to go among the people, gather them together and preach the gospel to them. There is no substitute. There's no substitute. You cannot... Faith comes. Faith comes that way. Through the foolishness of preaching, some are saved. God chose to save them that believe, that hear the preaching. In, in raising up Timothy, Paul writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And the very next verse says this. For the time will come when the people will not put up with sound doctrine. You know what you could put? You could put one word there and it would, it would not compromise the, 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 this verse at all. The time will come when people will not put up with truth. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather them a great number of teachers. Hmm. Not preachers. Teachers. 
to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside the myths. For the time will come when people... I want to just look at this real careful. People... Now, that doesn't, Paul's not saying for the time will come that church folk, for the time will come when the body, for the time will come when congregations, the time will come when people. Folks, what is going on in the educational system right now? We have, uh, uh, those who rule, the elites that rule the institutions have said, we want to gather teachers. We've got itchy ears and we're not, we don't want the truth anymore about gender, sex, marriage, etc., morality. We'll heap upon us and, and our children teachers that'll say just what we want them to say. That, that we don't any longer want to hear the truth. We want to just surround ourselves with those that will tell us and tingle our ears. And we can hear and they'll tell us just exactly what we want to uh, hear. And they'll teach to our children exactly what we want them to teach to our children. The time will come and the time is now where people will not put up with truth. And they're going to surround themselves with teachers and school districts and school board members that will tell them what they want to hear, that will teach whatever they want to hear. And they're going to be turned away to myths, which is happening right now. (coughs) Right now. And I think a lot of this, as it, as it affects the church. How many of you have ever said, don't preach to me. Don't be preaching to me. Faith comes by the preaching of the word. Folks, not one of us can live. We cannot continue to grow our faith. We cannot continue to grow in the, in the things of God without hearing anointed preaching, the preaching of the word. You say, Pastor, are you feeling a little insecure today? You're talking about, you're talking about, you know, what you do. You're kind of puff, uh, lifting yourself up. No, I'm talking about the famine in this nation. And there's a lack of anointed, Holy Ghost filled, truth-telling preaching of the gospel with fire that brings conviction to people's lives so that they might become born again and see their faith grow. Hallelujah. There is no substitute for it. And yet we, the organized church, are telling the people across the nation, oh, yes, there is. We're about to start a virtual service. We're about to have an AI pastor. The church is behind this nonsense. I hope I'm conveying what is really just stirring in my spirit about this today. There is nothing, church, nothing. No technology, no virtual anything, no internet, no app, no online anything that can replace a human being Meeting with the people, a shepherd. You know what? If you have, if you have a virtual shepherds, guess what? At best, you'll have virtual sheep. Yeah. And we've got that all over America. How beautiful are the feet of them that take the gospel. Compelled by the Spirit. And the great commission of Jesus to go. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for the power of preaching. And the American church needs preaching today. Anointed preaching. Yes, I need to be preached to. I need to be preached to. That my faith would grow. And that my faith would, uh, that my faith would be strong. As the Apostle Paul says that he's so very clear. How can they hear? How can they know without a preacher? I am asking for the glory of the Lord upon my latter preaching to be greater than upon the former because time's running out. I want, I want to challenge you to ask God for the glory of the Lord upon your latter preaching. Because we're all preachers. We're not all pastors. That's the difference. That's not, but we're all preachers. For the glory of the Lord upon your latter preaching. Upon your latter preaching to be greater. So that it pierces and brings conviction where there is sin. So that hearts and lives can bow down and come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not denigrating in any way the role of teachers. Thank God for godly teachers in this house, godly teachers in the educational system, because there are many. I'm just saying, I think there's not enough preaching, and we see the, the statistics, and they don't look good, that the next generation, Pastor Jamil's generation, he's among a few, a very few, ordained to the preaching ministry in his early 30s. God help us as a movement. We've got staff in all of these churches, staff members, but they're not preachers. They don't want to preach. I'm not called to preach. I don't want to be a preacher. And yet faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. How do you hear the word of God? Paul said somebody's got to go and preach to them. They've got to go and be preached to. And the gospel saves and the gospel causes faith to come alive and bring them to a place of salvation. Hallelujah. Would you stand all over this room? Holy Spirit. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that without the preached word, there can be... Paul said in order that some, some are saved through the foolishness of preaching, some get saved. Not everybody that hears, but some will. And some is a whole lot better than none. Some is a whole lot better than none. So, Lord, I ask you to give platform to each and every one in this room to preach, to tell their story. To tell the story of Jesus. Some may stand here, but, but, but 100% in this room won't stand here. But they have a stage, they have a platform out there to share the gospel story, to preach the gospel. Because you said until the gospel is preached around the entire world, the end cannot come. Jesus cannot come again. And Lord, yeah, but we, well, wait, uh, we're close to that now with virtual. No, God doesn't count that. Virtual does not count. He's saying go, we have to go. You have to take the gospel. There have to be human preachers, if you will. Flesh and blood preachers to go. And so, Lord, send us forth. 
with a fresh new understanding, Holy Spirit, of how powerful preaching is in our own lives and through us. Use us as we've heard today. Lord, there were two preachers today. Jamie shared her story. She preached. That was her preaching. And I came up and preached a little after her. But Lord, every one of us have an audience, an audience. It might just be an audience of one. Preach to that one and tell them the story of Jesus. Are you in this room today and you don't know him? You've not received. You have not said yes to Jesus like you heard from these that got baptized, like you heard Jamie share how God set her free from so many addictions and bondages. And you're like, I want to be next. I need Jesus to set me free. I want to come. I want to come and, and bow down before him. Before you leave, you can do that. Would you raise your hand just so I can see it and I know who I'm praying with? Anybody in this room, we're going to ask, we're going to ask, we're going to ask, and we want to have a prayer with you before you go today. Anybody in this room? <coughs> God bless you. Can we have some prayer teams up front, please? Maybe you raised your hand, maybe you didn't, but you would like somebody to just pray a blessing over your life. Man, that's probably 100% everybody. I know I need a blessing today. If you would like somebody to just pray with you before you rush out. We don't ever rush out of here. It's still early, 12:15. That's early for us. And you want to come down, come down right now. Come right down here if you need a prayer. And somebody standing here will, will, have, will have a prayer with you. Share your need if you want to. If you don't, that's fine. But if you said, I need Jesus, I want you to come. I want you to come. God bless you. You can still come. And we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. If you need prayer, come on. Let's worship. Let's worship Him right here before we go.
y'all know how we do it around here there's ministry happening around the altar we're always very sensitive to that as you feel a release to be dismissed you can dismiss yourself and i sure hope we see a lot of you tonight at 6 p.m at bethel assembly in lake worth for our as one prayer and worship gathering god bless you